Boom. And we're back just like that. Just like that. Just like that. We've uh it's been 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 a little bit, been a minute. Yep. Yep. Yep, sorry I missed the uh last one. Dude, that's uh, all just that's all good, man. Wasn't feeling tip top and you know? Hey, and especially this is at any point in history, this is the time when if you're not feeling tip top, I appreciate it. Even though we're both vaccinated, I still appreciate it. There you go. Yeah. But uh, last episode, as you guys know, obviously, um, my good friend Mike from Blame Amplification On. Um, excellent dude. Excellent guitar amps. Um, great conversation. Always love getting to hang out with him. Um, what have you been up to? Man, I spent last week in Dallas at the Dallas International Guitar Show. Ooh. Which wasn't so much international because yeah. covid but you gotta call it international. Well, I mean, that's what so it's like, always been called. So you got some foreign guitars, though. So I guess that makes it. I I got foreign guitars, yeah. but there were no foreign individuals okay. there purchasing right. guitars. All right, there we go. Which is kind of more the maybe the international is referring to the guitars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not according that, to the that, dealers that, I talked to. <laughs> not according to the nah, dealers man, I talked to. Nah, you scored some cool stuff. Got got a nice little uh, little lefty strat. Yeah, right you here. don't don't come across those uh, no. Japanese lefty squires yeah. too often. Yeah. So I knew I had to bring it for my boy to check out here. Always, man. Always. You sent me another super sick lefty. That, Which one was that? The Gibson. Oh, the Gibson. Yeah, it was like a 1950-something or yeah, other yeah. ES-150. Oh, yeah. That was a left-handed. I was like, With I've never seen one. I didn't even know they made left-handed guitars like that early. Well, you know, I mean, people people have been left-handed forever, so... People have, but... I imagine it was probably a custom order. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. What, what other, like, cool cool stuff i'm assuming you saw like a ton of vintage stuff oh yeah vintage stuff out the wazoo just just crazy stuff uh, gretches from the 50s 50, 52 telecasters wow um, telecasters you know, like multiple oh yeah 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 that's okay so we're, we're going to talk a little bit about guitar shows today and we might as well just start out with the big guitar shows. let's just get into it yeah so the big guitar shows like the dallas guitar show uh guitarlington um, guitarlington yeah that's awesome uh, the, the, the four state guitar show in, in Springfield, Missouri, you know, uh, sh- there's, there's shows in Chicago and California amigos, uh, puts on a whole bunch, uh, of those. And, uh, um, they're, they're based out of Joplin. I think Joplin, some of the guys, at least one of the guys who, uh, runs it, uh, used to own fly by night music in the Osho. Okay. Um, but, uh, you got these big guitar shows. And let me tell you what, if you're wanting to go someplace and play some vintage gear, oh my word. Yeah, yeah, Just stuff that you would never see in the wild. That's the nice thing about the big guitar shows. We're going to talk about two kinds. We've got big ones, we've got small ones. The big ones are nice because you go there and you have dealers from all over the country coming to these things and, and, and they set up these, these massive booths just loaded with everything you can imagine vintage rickenbackers oh, vintage yeah. uh fenders vintage gibsons uh you know i saw <clears throat> saw one of those gibson harp guitars <laughs> i don't think I'm oh my goodness yeah, uh, yeah look it up i forget what the designation is specifically but it's like a it's an acoustic guitar with like a harp attached to it they made them in the 30s um, oh, okay yeah and yeah. uh i didn't know gibson did they like kind of pioneer those or? they did man gibson did a lot of yeah. really cool stuff back and not that they don't do cool stuff now uh but you know young companies tend to be a little bit more adventurous with a lot of that stuff and at the time gibson was young um but uh, yeah you're, you're you're probably not going to see a guitar harp any 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 oh, anytime yeah. soon that's so that. cool. I so I did see one of those. I don't believe it was a Gibson, but uh, I went to New York City in high school, and we went to the Met. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they had at the Met was they had a exhibit that was the history of the stringed instruments. Mm-hmm. So you had all the way back from like the earliest like lutes and stuff, lutes and lyres and, and lyres, yeah, all the way up to like 
PRS custom shop stuff, like exactly. all on a wall. And that was one of the things, like after I saw the picture, that was, yeah, that was one of the things they had. I mean, here, here's the deal. You can go to one of these guitar shows and you can get everything from a player grade vintage instrument all the way up to a dead mint. Like like the, uh, I, I went with uh, Dragon Guitars out of uh, uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Um, helped him set up his booth and, and, and run it and he gave me a couple of spots to put some of my stuff up and I didn't sell my stupid freaking banjos. Um, <laughs> but that was the whole reason you went. I know, right? I know, oh, I know. I'm but sorry. Um, he had a 1959 uh, Les Paul Jr. Yeah. in 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 red with the tortoiseshell pick guard that had been unplayed since 1970. Unplayed wow. with the original case and shiny finish. He hadn't buffed it or anything like that. I mean, I mean, it's ten grand. Yeah, but. You know, and then, and then of course you can run across the, the 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 rougher ones, and you're like, oh well, three grand, four grand, you know, and different years have different. Sure. It, it's a totally different world when you get into the high end vintage stuff yeah. because a year difference can make thousands of thousands of dollars. Of dollars. Uh, we, we talked about that a little bit with the uh, the the Telecaster Deluxe that I brought in. Yeah, um, you know, a seventy seven is a lot cheaper than a seventy two for simply the reason that it's not a that a 77 is not a 72. Yeah. Because 72 is the one they reissued. Let me let me ask you this. Let me run this by you. Um, what is your opinion on like vintage player grade stuff versus like getting something new from like a custom builder like Jennings or like um, Veritas or, or someone like for the price range? I mean, it really just depends what you want. Okay. Some people just want the mojo of a vintage guitar. Sure. Um, for for, uh, I heard I heard one YouTuber put it this way: If you get a vintage guitar, prepare to be disappointed, <laughs> uh, because it's not going to be what you you know everything. Yeah. There's there's going to be cool aspects to it, of course, sure. but um, there is. I mean, it's it's something that's been played for 40, 50, 60, yeah. 70 years, and it. it you know, if if it was a good guitar, it's going to show that kind of a wear. I mean, definitely. Yeah, you've got some you've got some dead mint ones that you're going to come across that are good, you know, are good to play. But at this point, if you come across a, a, a 1960 Les Paul Burst and it is in dead mint condition, you're not playing that. No, that's an investment. That, yeah, that's really. that's something you hang up on the wall to say, look, I've got a. 1960 burst. Yeah. You don't care. And then you sell it in 20 and years. Exactly. And and hope that the price has gone up and people stay, still play guitars. But... <laughs> or you just sell um, it to the Met, apparently. Yep. <laughs> no, because museums do not pay well. Oh, really? Anyway, anyway so you, you've got the, these large guitar shows. And if, if you want to see and play vintage gear or high-end gear, you know, sewers and, um, you know, the the... the, the uh, private stock, Paul Reed Smiths, and and all that kind of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. You, there's there's custom builders there left and right, and you you'll you'll run into those sorts of things. So if you're looking for something really specific, if you're like, you know what, I've got fifteen grand burning a hole in my pocket, and I am coming home with a vintage Gibson That'd or a vintage nice. Fender, that is that is a good place to go if you want to be able to touch the guitar that you're buying before you buy it. Okay. I mean, hands down, no questions asked. Yeah. That's that's what what you want to do. Yeah. Well, that's an issue for me, being like a left-handed guitar player is like, uh, I like, nobody ever has left-handed guitars in stock. Sure. And so I, the only guitar that I have right now Bass, my bass and my acoustic included, that I've played before I bought is my Strat. Yeah. So, yeah, everything else I've just bought. And hoped it worked and out. Hoped yeah. it, and hoped it worked out. And for the most part. And that's fine for a couple hundred bucks, even yeah. up to a thousand bucks. But but when you're dropping five or ten grand, yeah. you kind of want to be able to play what you're what you're buying yeah absolutely. Um, so if you want to see cool stuff if you want to play cool stuff if you want to buy cool stuff let me tell you what 
or, or, or be exposed to new and up, up and coming builders. Okay. Um, guitar shows, the, the big guitar shows are great places to go. Yeah. Um, now, if you're wanting to just sell your instrument outright, don't do it. No. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense for you to take your guitar in there. Not, not even a little bit. And, and, I, and I know some of my guys are going to be like, dude, stop it. Don't tell people that. <laughs> but here's, here's the deal. You know, I'm, I'm, here for, I'm here for you guys, the listeners. And, and what you need to know is that everybody in, in a large guitar show is a dealer. Yeah. And a dealer has to make money money and so if you're coming in with your with your you know gibson les paul standard and you're thinking to yourself this is worth two grand i've seen him sell for two grand on reverb i've seen him sell for two grand on the marketplace i've seen him sell for two grand on uh ebay uh i'm gonna get two grand and you walk in there and then you get pissy because everybody's offering you twelve hundred dollars yeah it's like well they're not going to buy it if they can't make money off of it. Exactly. These are not collectors. Um, these are dealers. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> you're, you're essentially going into Guitar Center just with a whole bunch of different small guitar centers. Yeah. People looking to buy stuff. And, and, and you may come across somebody who's like, oh, you know, if, if you've got something really difficult to sell, let's say it's, let's say it's a vintage guitar. Or a banjo. Or, or a stupid banjo. Um, and and you're like, listen, I don't. And, and I've shopped vintage guitars at these big guitar shows. I had a sixty sixty two Jaguar, at one point. That I'm like, uh, well, I can't sell it on the marketplace. Ain't nobody, uh, you yeah. know, nobody's going to be dropping three, four grand on a Jaguar from Joe Blow. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't feel comfortable putting it on reverb because you know somebody gets it first of all you got the shipping issue second of yeah. all you've got the somebody gets it and wants to pick it apart and like oh well you know i took the, the neck off and yeah, yeah. Uh, there's micro scratches on right that. right something <laughs> like that uh so i took i and and i found somebody to buy it there the vintage stuff you'll have you'll 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 get better prices on because a lot of those dealers have people looking for certain things yeah and so sometimes if you take a vintage or a high-end guitar in you're like you come across somebody who is looking for that particular thing. I one of I I sold a Mexican Fender Players Strat uh, for almost what I could get for it to another dealer uh, because he had somebody specifically looking for one in that color. Oh wow! Yeah, and normally I wouldn't have. You know, it's like, well, I could make another fifty bucks if I if I sold it by myself. Yeah, but. You know, he's here with cash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's willing to pay my price. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's got somebody specifically looking for something, so his risk is low. Uh, you know, he's only going to make 50 bucks, maybe 75 and and that's fine because he's got a, a direct outlet. But, yeah. Yeah, so if you've got a vintage something or you just happen to be have, have, have a rare whatever, there was this guy who brought in this, uh, this crazy, what was it? I think it was a sewer. Um and it it was like splotch painted, like it was it was. Huh. He wanted three grand for it, and I'm like, huh, 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 huh. <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm sure it was, somebody paid for it. I, yeah, I saw I saw some... it go between two or three different dealers. Uh, so it, it got it got sold to one guy, who then sold it to another dealer, who walked out with it. Uh, there's a lot of swapping between dealers that happens. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. If, if if you're if you're thinking to yourself, hey, I'm gonna take my, I'm gonna take my squire into the show, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it for retail rate. I got some bad news for you. Sorry, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not gonna happen. Uh, but that doesn't mean that a lot of these places won't let you trade into stuff. And and yeah. generally, you get pretty good rates trading into things because sure. their profit is mostly built on. What, what the guitar's listed at. Yeah. They're, they're not going to let you negotiate. No. Like, hey, you okay, you want to trade into this $8,000 strat? Well, um, you know, I'm not going to give it to you for $7,000 then. Yeah. You, 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 you've got to pay the sticker price. Uh, but the, the, the big guitar shows are good for lots of things. But if, if you're looking to retail rate your, your player instrument, not a thing I necessarily not recommend. So okay. 
Okay, oh. what? How would you juxtapose that to smaller guitar shows? So yeah, we put on uh, your smaller regional shows uh, tend to be more like swap meets, if that okay. makes sense. Uh, so we've got a couple here in Northwest Arkansas. I run one of them. A friend of mine runs, uh, John Dooley, uh, runs another That's one with another guy. Um, and so you've got the North, Northwest Arkansas, um, guitar expo, and then you've got the, uh, musician's garage sale and I run the musician's garage sale. And we, uh, up until COVID, we were pretty much doing the, the, the garage sale was in the fall and the spring. And then the Northwest expo was in the winter and summer. And so Every quarter, you could pretty much go someplace and swap out your instruments. And most of the time, it's it's uh, it's just people. There, yeah, there's there, there's a couple of us dealers there. Yeah. But we're not the we're about fifty percent. Sure. Uh, of who's there? And it's a lot more trading. It sounds like there, than like actual buying and selling. There's there's trading. There's buying and selling. Uh, there's I mean there's everything. You know bartering. No. No, there is. Oh, I mean, well, I was just kidding. There is. Uh, so with the with the smaller shows, you get this. Uh, first of all, they tend to be cheaper on the bigger shows. For a one one booth spot, you're looking at anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars. Okay. Which is, I mean, that's a pretty steep entry. You should be, yeah. I mean, you got to sell some stuff. You got to sell some stuff, Uh, or you've got to be able to buy some stuff Mm -hmm. um, in order to justify that kind of an added expense. Uh, Which is why when I was offered, hey, you wanna you wanna come and join my booth, I said yes, yes I do. Yeah, thank you. Um, but with the small shows, uh, I know, like for the for the garage sale, um, our booths have been anywhere from twenty to forty dollars, depending on the venue. Okay. So it's one of those. I mean, you're going to spend forty dollars for for a Saturday anyway, right? Yeah. Twenty twenty to forty dollars for a Saturday anyway, and this way you get to sit, and maybe somebody comes in and has something that you want, or you have something yeah. they want, and you know, you you sell you sell one piece of gear, and suddenly, oh well, you know, I'm I'm in the clear on my costs yeah for this sort of thing um the guitar expo it's been anywhere from 75 to 100 dollars for a table which again isn't isn't terrible still not near um couple grand but and and like i said you get some dealers who show up but for the most part that's that's kind of more where most players go for I mean, you're going to see some vintage stuff because everybody's got some vintage stuff. If I, if I show up at a place, um, like that, I'm going to bring probably two or three really cool guitars, you know, something that everybody's going to want to stop and look at that. That way it gets, gets people into the booth. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, but then I'm also going to do mostly stuff that people that, you know, your everyday guitar player is going to, going to buy. I'm going to have some USA fenders. I'm going to have a few Gibsons. I'm going to have some squires and, you know, and then, and then the, the, the low end stuff for the impulse buyer. Who's like, man, I always want to try a strat and never have. And you got one yeah. for a hundred bucks. Here you go. And good. Sure. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. See dude. Um, I've, I've done some, some good deals. There's, uh, there's people who, who just, who, who don't even get a booth. They just, load up their uh load up like a cart and just roll it through those places um and and it and it works itself out um but i i don't think i i've only had like one or two bad shows where where i didn't feel like it it worked out well for me in uh doing those doing the smaller shows um so it's it's an opportunity for you to not only buy but uh, but but also sell for more reasonable prices. Yeah. And, and there's the possibility, like I said, that you're 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 going along these tables and somebody sees, oh hey, you've got something I've always wanted, and they're going to pay you, maybe not exactly the retail rate, but pretty darn close to it. Yeah. Um, for sure. So it just kind of depends on on who who you come across and what you got and what's in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's cool. I think uh, I've never been to. Um, I've never been to like an actual guitar show hmm. before. Um, so I feel I've all it's always something I've 
that's like piqued my interest. Sure. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, have you ever been to like Nam or anything like yeah. that? Okay. So uh, how yeah. would you kind of contrast Nam? I know Nam's like a lot more like every just music industry in general. Not yeah, like, it's 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 industry. Uh, so when you go to Nam. I mean, you can't. There are some booths where you can buy things. Yeah. But mostly, it's designed for your retail stores, as well as your influencers and artists. So, like us. Yes. Influencers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can. We can. We can. We can. <laughs> I'm definitely. I influence my son all the time. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> But no, I've been to the I've been to the Summer Nam I think three times. I'm I, I'm hoping to go this there. It it's on this year. So okay, Summer Nam's in Nashville, um, and Winter Nam is is over in California. Yes. Um, I've never been to the Winter Nam, but I, I've been told that it's Summer Nam times ten, because that's you know it's it's the new model year. Everybody wants to drop everything. Yeah. It's a huge convention center. Uh, whereas the, the, the summer NAMs in the, uh, Nashville city center, um, I go to the Nashville one because a, a local music retailer here doesn't go to the summer one. And he's like, yeah, sure. I, I have tickets. So yeah, you can, you can go. And then I stay with my friend who has a recording studio <laughs> in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and so that's it. Let me tell you what, it's cool. Like if, if you find yourself in, in Nashville during the show, uh, they they do have public days like I think I think it's yes. like Saturday or something like yeah. that. Go, it, I mean it's like five or ten. I think it's five or ten bucks to get in. Yeah, absolutely go. I mean I've already I've already you know stolen all the swag by that point. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but uh, but go. I mean you're gonna see you're gonna see rows of all the all the all the stuff that uh, Gibson has out and Fender has out, uh, as well as some the, some companies do release new things. Uh, in the summer, I think the first year I went, it was 28, was it 2018? No, yeah, it would have been 2018. Cause yeah, 2018, 2019, I went, didn't go in 2020. Um, 2018 was the, the year that, that Gibson kind of transitioned out of the Jeskowitz era, you know, mm-hmm. got the, got the new, um, new CEO and the new, we're going to focus on vintage type stuff. Yeah. Um, and they had they had these hats and and all sorts of all sorts of was it the make Gibson great again hats? I didn't see one of those because yeah, I know Mark Agnesi was like selling those personally oh, before yeah? he started working for Gibson. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it was uh, uh, I support the new Gibson hats and oh. and and things like that, which is kind of lame, but it's it's definitely a thing that. Someday is going I, to. I admire the effort. Yeah, but it sounds pretty lame. It sounds really cheesy. I would not wear a hat that says "I support the new Gibson." Uh, you know, it was free, and free is good. Yeah. So. Free hat, free hats, free hat. What are your thoughts on this? Is kind of off topic from what we planned, but like, what are your thoughts on the whole Gibson thing? Like everything that's happened, with them. I don't think we've we've talked. No, about no, no, that we yet. haven't we haven't hit that in particular. It's you know, <clears throat> without without going off too much into the weeds, I, I do like, um, I do like their their refocusing. Mm-hmm. Twenty fifteen was a terrible year for them. Yeah. Uh, between the Robo Tuners and the new Nut Width, there was there was a lot of. Poor choices, and I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to tra- uh, trash Jeskowitz because he's, uh, I mean, from from the mid '80s up until the early 2010s, I mean, he was he was on point. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, coming out of the Norlin era, he did some really cool stuff. You, you get the Gibson Custom Shop. You get, uh, you know, a variety of new and innovative things that. You know, some sometimes they they took off and sometimes they didn't because that's that's the way new things work. Um, but yeah, he you you get the Firebird X and you get the you get the 2015 situation, yeah. the robot guitars, and everybody just really rebelled against that. And um, and I don't necessarily blame them. I 
I don't know. I if if I see the 2015 cases because there's the, those gold numbers, mm-hmm. it's like the one year they had those, and I really liked those because the, the, they're a molded, uh, more like a more like a Strat case, yeah, or something like that, molded um, with the with the gold outer shell. Uh, I just you know I'm like listen, you know normally I I try to get into the 60 percent to 70 percent range depending on what you know when I'm offering somebody something for what I think I can sell it for. Um, but when I see one of those, it's like, nope, uh, I'm going to give you a 40% yeah. because they're just hard yeah. to sell. Yeah. It's really funny. Like I was talking to a buddy that was a drummer or I guess he probably, hopefully he still is a drummer. <laughs> and like, we we're just talking about Gibson stuff and you know, he didn't know a ton about guitars and he was like, dude, it's like robo It's like sick. That's so cool. And I was like, I would never do that. You know, never I, in my life would I ever. I, I've had the Gen 1s. I've had the Gen 2s. I've had the Mini Tune. Um, and they aren't all terrible. I, okay. I, I, won't, I won't say I, the the Gen 1 and Gen 2 are, are extremely cumbersome. And yeah. the way that it's set up is is complete insanity. But but once you get to the Mini Tunes, when it's just, the, just the, that head, <clears throat> that headstock unit. Uh-huh. Um, there's some. I I don't think it's that terrible, but okay. I understand why people don't like it. Yeah. So like, what if you need to go like drop D or something? Yeah. Are yeah. you just like out of luck or like can you? No, no. You can you can you can preset it for. Oh. Some some of them you can preset. Some of them that uh, you can, uh, and, and you can always. It's it's like a, you you pull up. And it disengages the robo part, and so you can tune it like a normal tuner. Oh, okay. I didn't know you could turn it so, off. So, so in the case of, say, the battery goes dead, you can, they, they still have functionality. Okay. People talk like they didn't. And, and the, and that the, was my understanding. The first, the first okay. gen, that was kind of the case. And, and, and with the first gen, um, you know, the, the, the brain and the battery and everything was down in the, in the control cavity. And so it would send an electrical signal up the strings. I know. Send an electrical signal up the strings to the tuners, which would then read that and adjust based on that. So Wouldn't that, like, shock you? No, no. It's not, it's not that much electricity. But, okay. Um, but it was, it was, no, it wasn't good. Uh, and, and you don't have, you had people ripping ripping and tearing everything out of those yeah. because they're just they're just cumbersome I, um i want to know what it was like when that first got pitched <laughs> like you're like in a meeting well because here's the All thing right, you know you're like uh, you know Gib- gibson has been experimenting along with a variety of other re- retailers okay we want to be able to coil tap people want more versatility they want to be able to have single coil type sounds from their mm-hmm. humbucker guitars and it's like okay well what if somebody wants to wants to play in drop d and you know okay well then i just turn this little knob and push the button and it goes sends a signal up and 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 adjusts yeah. it by itself without ha- you having to do it and there's a there's a convenience aspect. I totally understand I, it. Uh, sure. Um, you've got uh, line six variaxes, like some of the, yeah. the the James Tyler signatures, which is I actually amazing. saw. I was watching a uh, like a version on YouTube that Australian radio station that they'll have artists come in and cover other songs like yeah. in their own style, and the dude that was playing guitar, someone was covering a Fall Out Boy song, and he was playing a variax. Yeah, just right into a helix. Well, I mean, I have I I picked one of those up in in Dallas at a pawn shop. It'd been sitting in the pawn shop for since 2018 because nobody knew what it was and they didn't know how it worked. Yeah. Um. And can you you can't use a very as like a regular guitar, can you? Uh, some of them. Some so of them. Okay. You, you've got you've got the older you know the 300, the 500, the 700 series that. The only pickup they have is the piezo that that mm-hmm. it runs through the electronics board in there. You need the battery and you need the, you know, all that sort of stuff to be able to uh, to be able to not only get your regular sounds but also your your weird sounds. But uh, the the James Tyler Variax, uh, which is what I picked up, n- not only it has it has a set of Alnico pickups in it, uh, plus the piezo. And so you can actually set it up so that it's 
uh, it's kind of switching between you, you, you yeah. turn the piezo on and then it gives you your, okay, you can sound like a Les Paul, you can sound like a Telecaster, you can sound like a Rickenbacker, you can sound like a 12 string, you can sound like a banjo, you can sound like a, you know, a, a, yeah. a, a squirrel getting, uh, stepped on, you know, whatever it is. But then it's also got another knob that you can push and what it'll do is it will change the tuning digitally. Yes. Yeah, I think we briefly kind of hit the variax on our weird niche guitar episodes. Right, right. And yeah, I'm glad we're getting back into it, because that's kind of something I've just like always been really, really into. So that's not... that. So if you're looking at your, your standard run-of-the-mill variax 300 or 500, they don't have... It's just you get the sounds, mm-hmm. but they don't have the functionality of changing the tuning or changing Okay. The, uh, but you, the, the I think the, the, the one I got is a 59-something or other. It looks like a Les Paul. Okay. Um, but it has that extra extra feature where you could be like, okay, well, I'm going to play and drop detuning now, and but I'm not going to change anything on the, the tuners. It, you, just, you just push the little button down there, and it's like it, it digitally... Yeah. Changes it. Or you can play an open E or you can play in. Yeah. Uh, the slide. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like the idea of just being able to like hit a button on like the helix or like, is it on the guitar? Like, is it on the guitar? Yeah. And just being able to just be like, Oh, cool. You know, and, yeah. Regular to... Yeah, to uh, open E or, or whatever. But I will say that, like, a lot of time, like, I'm just so used to playing slide and, like, standard now. Yeah. Like, it's really, it doesn't bother me too much. I, I still would like the convenience. One thing I really have been wanting to get, I, obviously, like, you can tell I don't have room for this in here. But uh, I really want to get, like, a lap steel. And just like set it up, and just always have a lap still, like just yeah, ready to go. Yeah, it was like is the Rogu one or Rose Rogue? Yeah. I don't even know how to say these names, dude. Rogu. This sounds fancy. Rogu. Yeah, French company. Rogue. Yeah, Rogue. Um. Yeah, I think I saw that. But yeah, that just seems like super sick to me. I've I've always just had like a vested interest in that and it's really weird because like i did not grow up well maybe this is why i'm into it i did not grow up listening to a lot of music with slide guitar like i did not grow up listening to a lot of country a lot of like western stuff um but like as i got into it i'm just like fascinated with it and that's another thing like back to mike um mike when quarantine started got like really into like pedal steel like he bought a pedal steel and like last time i was over at his house um a few months back in the winter like he he had it all set up it is it's pretty sick man it's yeah, pretty I, sick I, I've tried. I've, I've owned some... so if we go back to uh yeah let's bring it back to nam kind of right. went on a little detour there uh, yeah, and that's all right it it uh it eats up the clock right it does. exactly <laughs> exactly yeah so uh yeah so um with Summer Nam, of course, it, it's a smaller show. Bigger Nam, it, I, I've been told uh, the Winter Nam is ten times the size of Summer Nam. Uh, but of course, then then you've got to go out to all the way out to California, and uh, it, it's a little harder to get tickets because in order to in order to get the tickets um, for that, I think I think Winter you have to be a dealer. I'm not 100 percent sure, or you have to know somebody who's a dealer. For summer, you don't necessarily have to be a dealer. Um, they do have the, they do have the uh, public day. And okay, so there's no public day at Winter Nam. I don't think so, but I might be wrong. Again, okay. I've never been to that one. Yeah. Uh, but I know there is a public day for the for the summer uh, show. So uh, this year it's in the middle of I think July. Uh, so if you find yourself in the South, in the middle of July, and you want to go look at guitars, there you go, and, and see all of the stuff that that's on Gibson and Fender and Reverend and uh, Kiesel's lines. They they have booths and they're just filled with all sorts of stuff. I'm hoping it'll be good. Um, I know. So so uh, 
So this show I went to in Dallas, the Dallas International Guitar uh, uh, Show, it, the reason they call it international is because they're trying to get people to come in from yeah. all sorts of different countries. But with COVID, of course, that didn't happen. So this year was unfortunately a bit of a dud. Um, it, uh, and that's not just my opinion. That's me talking to the dealers as well. And they're like, ah, you know, yeah. super grumbly. Um, because what happens at the bigger shows is that you have people come in from Japan. You have people come in from Mexico. You have people come in from South America and Canada and, uh, and, and Europe. And they're all interested in buying stuff that they can't get over there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we, we send stuff to uh, these manufacturers in large part send stuff to places, but they're not sending vintage gear over there. Somebody's got to physically come over here, yeah, pick it up and take it over there. Cause you've got all sorts of import restrictions to pay depending on the kinds of woods involved yes. and, and the age and then you yeah. got the, the fees and all that sort of stuff. So it's a whole lot better to send somebody over for a one time. All right. We're just going to buy a whole pile of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then and that didn't happen this this time. But this was the first major guitar show, um, probably in I want to say sixteen months. Yeah. The last one were, was the the California show right after Nam, or right before Nam uh, in twenty twenty because that was pre COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I personally had people because I, I was still going to do the 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 spring show because it was like the middle of March. Yeah. You know, which was kind of when everything was starting to get Go weird. Hell, but like schools hadn't shut down yet. Right, but like, people. Yeah. Let me tell you what I had people. I had people messaging me, calling me all sorts of horrible names, and and telling me that I obviously wanted everyone to die because I was still going to have a guitar show. Yeah, and you know, it just it ended up being too much of a hassle, and I was yeah. tired, tired of dealing with it. But now that we've had one we've we've popped the cherry so to speak exactly that that uh i know the guitarlington is scheduled for the middle of october which is which is a big one um i don't know what other i want to go to that one just based off the name that's well, awesome yeah. yeah um i i'm 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 pondering putting up a booth down there okay um when i when i looked at the price and yeah, I thought to myself, yeah, you know, if I bring enough stuff, yeah, it uh, it it potentially has it potentially has the uh, guitarlington has some more twang too, so you might be able to get rid of the banjos. At that I really hope I don't have the banjos still by in October. Then, by then, okay, yeah, but <laughs> if, but if, yeah, if. Yeah. Uh, so with with the big shows, like I said, if if we if we bring this back and we say your expectations of a big show need to be. Hey, I'm going there. I'm going to look at cool vintage gear. Uh, I'm going to bring stuff that I'm interested in trading, or I'm bringing stuff that's high end that I likely can't sell on Craigslist or the local marketplace. Or maybe I want to like trade into something else. Mm-hmm. Those those are good things to bring. It's also you know just kind of fun to to pay your ten or fifteen bucks or whatever and and just see tons of cool stuff. Yeah, tons of cool stuff. Uh, one of my favorite things that I saw was, uh, I saw two L Gibson L five S's, which are not super common. No. Guitar. Uh, you know, the L six S is the flat slab of, uh, maple, but the L five S is the arch top slab of maple. Okay. Uh, super flamed. I mean, they, they're like, they start at like four grand and they go up to 10 grand. Man. Uh, I, I picked one out of a, out of a this tiny shop in, um, Florida once it had been refinished and it had some other stupidness done to it for $600. There you go, man. Oh my goodness. I re- I regret selling that. I traded that guitar. I think in the condition it was in for a, a 57 ES 125 TDC. So, I mean, it, it was, a, I traded for a nice guitar. Yeah. I, I made some money on that, but Still, I'm kind of like, oh, I wish I had to refinish that myself. And yeah, kind of. Is that something you do? Do you have a lot of experience like refinishing stuff? I have or? experience doing it. I don't do it professionally. I had somebody okay. ask me this morning, actually. Hey, do you know anybody who does relic jobs? And of course, I, I hooked him up with a guy who uh, has locally. He was looking for locally. Um, 
I, I hooked him up with with the guy who did uh, my '66 jazz bass. But have I told you about my relic job? No. Oh. Okay. We might. We'll have to. That'll keep, have to be another. We'll we'll keep that there, one. In the there back there are some professional relicers out there that are just spectacular. One yeah. I, one I learned how to do. A lot of stuff from was Kevin Heffernan over at uh, Center Stage Vintage Guitars in Noblesville, Indiana. Okay. I saw one of his guitars at the show, too. I was super excited. I took a picture of it and sent it to him. Yeah. Um, but he, he uh, uh, yeah, let's just say he he does really well. I, I can't, there are some things that, that he's been offered or, or uh, has, has, has been encouraged to or threatened with, but I can't really... Uh, a disclose, oh, but, wow. um, you know, big manufacturer saying, Hey, uh, we'd like to talk to you about joining us or, man, that's awesome. Or you can stop doing yeah with our brand logos, you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, that's nice that they offer him a job first. <laughs> <laughs> Normally it's just stop it. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's a great guy and, uh, he he just does some amazing work. So yeah, that's that's somebody to check out if 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 you're like, listen, I want my guitar like professionally relicked. Uh, I don't know if you saw some of the stuff from the new Gibson Murphy Labs. They they threw some mm, of their, their I didn't catch that their uh, prototype ES three thirty five relics on uh, on that Gibson um, demo shop that, on Reverb. Yeah, and I looked at those and I was like, you know. Like, what did you use? A belt, a belt sander, and a yeah. belt buckle. I mean, come on, it, it looked terrible. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah. There's the, again. There's 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 all sorts of cool stuff out there. I, I have I have done some refinishing, but it's not, um, it's not something I do regularly. Yeah. What the heck? Let's let's get into it. So I had an Infinity Strat, and I just like really had the vintage bug bite. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like 17 and had zero dollars. Um, yeah. So my plan was I got some fingernail polish remover from my mom and I rubbed it on there. Uh huh. And then I had it sitting in my lap. <laughs> I just lit it and just let it burn oh in my lap like Jimmy Hinton, just like. Just sat there and just, like, let it burn. I don't recommend fire. No, it burned all the paint off. It got that cool charred look. My mom came in and was, like, I know she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I think I'm good. But my mom came in, and she's like, are you burning something? I was like, no, it's just, like, when you sand it, like, really fast, it just kind of smells like that. And she was like, oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, so, so I, d- I did that. We don't advocate lying to your parents. No, nor do we advocate. Nor do we advocate burning guitar finishes because that crap is toxic. Yeah, and especially in a small bedroom with no windows open. I mean, we all do stupid stuff, of course. I And, and here's the thing. I have I have done some relic jobs that just look freaking awesome. Again, yeah. I, I, I learned how to do them from a guy who professionally does, does them. Does it, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I, 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 that doesn't mean that I sign up for it. It's a lot of work to do. Oh, it, I believe it. To do it right yeah. is a lot of work, and it, and it, and there are certain techniques and skills yeah. and and ways that you can do things uh, to make it look more realistic. Essentially, you're trying to make it look like uh, like the guitar has been played for twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, eighty years. Yeah. Um, and I've I've seen people. You've got different kinds of finishes on guitars, so. Uh, on that squire, probably at a poly finish, relicking a poly finish is just the worst. Really, it's just the worst. It first of all, it looks terrible. Yeah, uh, and, it didn't and, look cool. No, it doesn't. Poly finishes generally there. There's occasionally where it ends up looking kind of cool, but it's just so thick, it's so thick. It's heavy, and it's it's not designed to wear in the same way that a nitro finish does. And again, very toxic. Oh uh, well, yeah. Any 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 paint is toxic. So it's kind of one of those things that, uh, uh, just can't really, uh, I can't really advocate doing it without proper ventilation, yeah. without proper training, <laughs> without, uh, without knowing what you're doing. Um, and, and yeah, even, even doing it in the less abrasive ways, like you, you get people who get belt sanders, you get people who, uh, heat guns, you get people who put them in the oven, you get people who, 
turn a turn a spray air air spray can upside down and freeze the finish. You get people who switch them between the oven and the freezer, just back and forth and yeah. back and forth to get the the checking. You've got people who use razor blades to get the checking. I've You've seen got, people throw keys at it, like their oh yeah, keys. yeah. There's all sorts of things like. What's that. your if you don't mind sharing? What's your go to method? Um. I've 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 done the. It's not so much keys, but you you uh, get um, some bits. Oh, why did you do that? Yeah, I just showed him the um, picture. I mean, good thing it was an Infinity Squire, which at the time, outside of the bullet, that was like the lowest thing. So, yeah. You know. um, but yeah, you you kind of tie a rope to a bunch of nuts and and screws and things like okay. that. You know, whack it, lash it, lash it, flog. Um, I mean, it's always better. Again, if you're doing it with a nitro finish, because it's gonna, it's gonna wear better. Yeah. Uh, So first thing you're gonna want to do is is get rid of a poly finish if you've got a poly finish. I mean, maybe you like the poly finish relict look, but it's more of a chipped look. Yeah. Um, it it just doesn't wear the same way. Sure. Um, but yeah, and then and then you know freeze it and then make it hot again and. I don't know. They're 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 just each each guitar kind of needs to be approached differently depending yeah. on how how you want to wear it. I know, like you look at the Road Worn series by Fender, and they uh, you know everyone's worn the exact same way. Yes, it's just like uh, precisely. Uh, I'm not I'm not super down with that look, but no. you look at the Gibson Faded series where they put the thin skin nitro finish on. They wear where your arm is, and they, yeah. they, they get the chips, and they get the dings, and the nicks, and, and I mean, they wear n- naturally quickly. Yeah, and which I feel like that's kind of the best way to do it, honestly. I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, what was I about to say? Have you seen, um, there's a YouTube channel called Burl's Art. Yep. And yeah, what do you, what do you think about him, his stuff? What do you think? You think it's cool or kind of? Quirky oh, I think or? it's really cool. Um, if you've if here's the thing, if you've ever had an acrylic guitar, oh my goodness, they're so heavy. You really? They are so heavy. See, I would have thought it would have been like light. No, no. Oh my goodness, they are heavy. Yeah. Um, no acrylic. I mean, essentially, you're you're just you're just getting a a you know, a big plastic block. Um, some of me does some weight relief on and it works itself out. But, uh, yeah, turning the colored pencils into guitars or sheets of paper or, uh, you know, any of the number of other things. It's very cool. My son likes to watch it. And, and I, I think he makes art as far as, as far as the guitars being gigable. Yeah. I mean, you can... Technically, just just like you can play one of those pancake Les Pauls from the from the seventies, and they weigh fifteen to twenty pounds. Expect each of those guitars to weigh fifteen to twenty pounds. Yeah, that's a lot. If you're doing if you're doing a set of five songs, maybe it's not so bad. But if you're planning if you're planning to do a full two hour set, yeah. I mean, you're gonna need a chiropractor, or sit down, or a stool. Uh, chiropractor chiropractor yeah <laughs> yeah that's it is something that's weird because like i remember when i used to like go play like bars and stuff or whatever they'd be like they'd want you to play like a three-hour set mm-hmm. and it's like yo that's a lot of music mm. that's a lot three hours worth of music is a lot of music it's a lot and especially when you consider like your favorite bands when they're on tour every night they're only playing like an hour 90 minutes maybe <sighs> There's I mean, encore. unless it's the Foo Fighters, yeah, they will. They Man, will, just, they will a destroy sh- a show. I mean, yeah, they'll just be, uh, yeah, they'll play every album front to back. Yeah, almost. and I, yeah, I remember when I saw them live. Like Dave Grohl was like, it was like getting towards the end of the set, and Dave Grohl was like, "We don't do encores. We let y'all know when we're finished." And yeah. I was like, "Dude, that's the most like badass thing I think I've ever seen." Like, I've, and that was the tour after he broke his leg. So right. he was like in the stool with like all the guitar necks coming off. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, "We don't do encores. We leave the stage when we're done." And I was like, "Dude, that's that's the way like to do it." The most rock star thing I've ever heard. 
I mean, even so, uh, what was it, about a year and a half? It would have been about two years ago now. Uh, went to see Victor Wooten down here at uh, George's. No way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he did a, he, I think it's two hours. I mean. Yeah. Of course, he had he had other other people coming in and out. and But, I mean, dude. First of all, dude's a beast, just yeah, to begin with. Yeah, Victor but, Wooten can do whatever he wants. Um but yeah, he just—I mean—he was a monster. It was—it was—it was two hours set, and I was like, "My goodness." Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I could. Yeah, I played the last show I played. I played a charity show, um, like with my project and another project here in Fayetteville called City Gray, and I did like thirty minutes, and like by the end of thirty minutes, I was like, "Now, like, Grant, I didn't have a ton of material." So I was like, by the end of the thirty minutes, I was like, "It's a lot. This is a lot of songs, bro." I, I I could do probably I I could do an hour of my music. Yeah. But I don't know that I could do an hour or two hour an hour of covers. Yeah. It's just it's just not not a thing that I'm super excited well, about. Well, let's see. You go Freebird, right into Purple Rain. That's like thirty <laughs> minutes right there, dude. Like I mean, come on, halfway there, baby. Two songs. Yeah, see, but the stuff I li- like to listen to is, is more like Under Oath. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, a two-hour set of... Yeah. It's just not going to cut it. No. And first of all, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. And uh, I don't yeah. see any reason learning right now. Nah. You know. More power to the people who do it. I mean, it's great. I yeah. think Demon Hunter, man, I, I yeah, love that stuff. Dude. But, um, yeah. Some of my friends from high school that were in, like, metal bands, like, I've never played that genre of music, but like I got mad respect for people oh, who yeah. do. I love listening to it. You gotta learn that but, stuff. But yeah. like I I don't play it, man. Like I so it's fast and like Oh, I'm not the vocals. At all. Yeah, no, I'm not good enough to play metal music, bro. Like out of get out of here with that, man. Oh, that's awesome. Well we've got we've got some great stuff in the pipeline for you guys. Right. We are thoroughly enjoying talking in these microphones. We hope you're thoroughly enjoying listening to us talking in these microphones. Um, if you got anything you want us to cover, um, let us know in the comments below. If you uh, have anybody you think we should talk to, um, let us know, and uh, we'll try to get a hold of them. If you want to buy some banjos, Please holla, holla at your you boy need, Nathan. If you need a four thousand dollar Frank Neat banjo, mm, I will cut on. you a deal. A deal. That's a steal, man. Flat top or arch top. Whoa! I didn't know there were two types of banjos I before I bought these things. I didn't either. Wow, that's awesome. Well, we got we got deals for days over here, folks. Deals for days. With that note, final word. Final word. Final word.